All right, Riley with Courage. I'm so excited to chat with you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Amazing. I, I was joking that if we are become best friends, which I hope that we do, I'm going to save you at my phone as Riley with Courage. Like that's your last name to me. <laughs> I'm so down for this. This is great. <laughs> you have such an amazing story in so many different ways. I want to hear your dating story. I want to hear how you grew up, your faith story. But first, you have an incredible TED Talk about surviving a tsunami. No mm-hmm. big deal. Mm-hmm. Let you do so many things. <laughs> Back us up. I would love to hear just a little bit about you, my friend. Oh, well, I, my name's Riley. I got married six months ago. Wild. Um, to an amazing man of God. I grew up in New Zealand on a farm. And it was like self-sustainable. So we'd like eat everything off our own farm. And I have loved Jesus since I was a little girl. I gave my life to Jesus four Sundays in a row. And I was five. And my Just mom, to make sure. My mom was like, honey, you know, you only need to do it once. And I look at her as a five-year-old and I say, mom, I want Jesus to know I'm serious. And I have felt like that ever since. Like you just... Once you know God's love, like it is such a gift and it's hard to live without it. Um, and so I, I have just loved you since I was a little girl. I love traveling. I love speaking. I'm writing a book at the moment. And my main message is all about courage. Oh my goodness. You're so cool. I love you already. <laughs> As we were saying before, we, I found you originally on TikTok and I'm like, this girl gets mm-hmm. it. And she has an accent. I love her. Follow. I, I've never hit follow so quick. <laughs> I love that. People always get so confused by my accent. They're like, are you from New Jersey? Yeah, it's like definitely not. <laughs> well, it is so funny because it's a little bit of like different, but it's it's amazing and I love it. Um, okay, I want to hear. I know it's a lot to unpack, but like the your tsunami tsunami survival story. <laughs> yeah. So my family, uh, growing up, we would travel to a lot of countries. My parents saw travel as part of our education, um, but my grandfather lived in Thailand, and we went to go visit him in Thailand. But we also were helping, uh, helping volunteer at an orphanage that rescued children from the sex trade. And I'm 10 years old at the time. And after this, a few days of volunteering there, we had booked a vacation um, to an island off the coast of Thailand. And we go to this island. It's like, uh, it's like tropical paradise, like crystal clear water and palm trees everywhere. It's beautiful. Um, and the day uh, after Christmas, which we call Boxing Day in New Zealand, because it's like the day when you have all the boxes out on the road. Oh. And <laughs> uh, we woke up suddenly to an earthquake. And I remember thinking my sister must be like under the bed, shaking the bed or something going on. And I jump out of the bed and I'm like, she's not there. And the whole ground is shaking. So I sprint into my parents' room and my mom goes, don't worry, it's an earthquake. The moment she stays that the earthquake stops. Um, and so we look it up online. We like call the front desk and apparently it's just an earthquake. No big, no, nothing to worry about. Um, Were you they, used to earthquakes? Cause I'm like, wait, hold on. That is, if I would have, I've never experienced an earthquake. I'd be like, wait, that is a big deal. I. I am somewhat used to earthquakes because I'm not crazy used to it. I don't think you can ever get used to an earthquake. But because of New Zealand, um, we're on the uh, 
equator line or whatever, but there's a lot of earthquakes that happen in New Zealand. Okay. Um, and so I had experienced it before, nothing to this measure. And I was certainly scared, but um, my parents just kind of like very quickly detoured us to like, we were eating breakfast like 10 minutes later and there was a chocolate fountain. And I'm like 10, you know, yeah. you know, you're moved on by this point. You're right. like chocolate fountain. I'm like saying <laughs> a whole cup and like pouring it with chocolate. Um, so, but then later on in the day, uh, there we're playing on the beach and uh, my dad comes up to us and he's like, Hey girls, let's go back to the room. And it, all these crazy, I call them God instances. And they're like coincidences where God chooses to remain anonymous. Like these moments where you know if you think about it, God's in it because we had booked beachfront bungalows and when we got there, our booking had been changed to middle of the island, concrete floor, top floor apartments, wow. which like was so God. Um, and so my dad is taking, I have two little sisters, we're walking back to the room and all of a sudden, as I'm walking back to the room, I hear screams like I have never in my entire life. And I look back and it's like a small island. So from our room in the middle of the um, island, you can see the beach and you can look through the palm trees and there's the beach. And on the beach, all the water has left and it's left so quickly that the fish are flying around everywhere. People are screaming and shouting because in the horizon is a thin white line. And a lot of people don't know what's going on. I mean, I didn't know what's going on. And but at this moment, I remember thinking, where's my mom? Like, my mom wasn't with us. My mom who was on the phone in the reception, like confirming our flights back to New Zealand. And she sees this happening. She knows instantly what's going on. She knows it's a tsunami. So she starts shouting. She goes onto the beach, starts shouting, run to everybody, wanting them to get to high ground. Because in that moment, you only have a few minutes to get to high ground because the tsunami is coming. We're on this tiny little island. And the way the island was structured is it was flat in the middle with two huge, like, hills on like on either side um and my mom runs to our sandcastle sits there and can't find us because she didn't know my dad had taken us back to the room and she has this moment and she's like freaking out like god where are they are they on the beach i don't know and she hears the voice of god saying flee and and she's like has this moment where she's like do i trust what i hear or not so she's just trusts god's voice and starts running back to the room and i remember seeing my mom like running through and then now the wave is getting the tsunami is getting closer and closer and closer and here's a sight of like my mom running towards me and the tsunami behind her um and so we run to the other side of the island and even another god instance is the day before christmas day my mom and i had gone hiking gotten lost and found a pathway up the hill on one of the sides of the island, like God's hand was born wow. this because I mean, I truly should not be alive today. Um, and so we start running up that pathway. The tsunami is closing in on us. I look behind me and see sights that no 10 year old should ever see. Um, the whole island is shaking. The su- I mean, the tsunami's 50 feet. It's huge on top of sea level. It's this, and I surf today. And like I surf five feet waves and those sometimes feel big to me, but a a 50 foot wave is massive and it's carrying the debris and like the body of the island that had just struck before it. So we start running up this pathway and it's like mere seconds of like life and death moment. And my little sister, if you ask her, um, because she was five when this is happening, she's carrying 
she's my dad's carrying her my mom's carrying my other sister she if you ask her what she remembers the thing she remembers the most from this day is I was praying out loud as we were running up that hill and I was like in the name of Jesus like protect us and uh I knew like at at 10 I knew the one thing the best lifeline ever when we're ever in a tough situation or near death situation is to call out to the voice of God, like to call out to God. Um, and yeah, so we make it to the top of the island. And there was this one funny moment as we were running up the hill where my sister, my middle sister in the midst of chaos had managed to find a bucket, fill it up with water and had rescued fish. And my dad's like, let go of the bucket. And she's like, no, I want to rescue the fishes. And my dad is like carrying extra weight because it's not as if these fish won't survive. Like they're going to be okay. But she's like, like little empathetic, like just caring for them, carrying the fish up the hill. Um, and so we make it to the top of the hill. And like I said, it was mere seconds between us being swallowed by the wave and us making it alive. And I remember just dropping to my knees and praying. And in the midst of death and destruction, I felt peace like I never had before. And it almost felt like this blanket was just like wrapped around me. And I felt the presence of God all around me. Um, and there's so much more to the story because there's two more waves that strike. And we're stranded on an island for a week. But I, I just know no matter what situation I'm in now for moving on till the day I die, it's God. I'm going to call out when I need help. Oh, my word. When your dad was calling you guys, you and your sisters off the beach, did he know what was happening? Did he know there was a tsunami? He had no idea. The water hadn't left yet. It was just like, he just felt like, because we, my parents have this saying, like, if, if we're happy, leave us. Like, just <laughs> leave a happy baby. Yeah. Um, and we were happy, but for some reason, he chose to, like, take us back to, to the room. Uh, and now that we look back, it was another God incident. I just so interested in that moment because I feel like how interesting is it that I know it, I'm a mom and I think about, you know, if I would tell my kids to leave the ocean now, five more minutes, whatever. <laughs> and and he was like, no girls, let's go. Just such a God thing in that when he says, hey, it's time to go. We're like, no, God, I want to stay in this relationship. No, God, I want to stay. You know, I want to stay here. I want to, I don't want to move. And he's like, let's go. Yeah. Um, we have no idea what hangs in the balance of, okay, let's totally obedience. Yeah. Like I always say, God's love language is obedience. Um, and my parents saw like their number one thing as parents was to teach us obedience. Cause if we're obedient to our parents, like when you're a kid, then you're going to be obedient to the voice of God because you, like you said, you don't know, like God is behind the scenes protecting and taking care of us. And like, um, uh, my friend Tori Masters once said to me, Riley, delayed obedience is disobedience mm. um, because we don't know what's going on in that. Like, why is it that God's telling us to leave that relationship or to uh, quit our jobs or whatever it may be? Like, he knows. He does. He sees things we cannot see. It could be a tsunami. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> That's, oh my gosh. I'm just like so interested in that moment. Um Okay. So you survived this. And then as you said, clearly and understandably develop a fear of the ocean. But as you just said, is now teaching surfing classes and doing surfing. So obviously a lot happened in between that. Um, Talk to me about when you started being comfortable with the ocean again. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I love that God 
has empathy on the reasons for our fear, but he also has something greater that he wants us to move into. And I really believe that the difference between like an ordinary life and an extraordinary life is courage and that fears are things that hold us back. And I would know because after this experience, we go back to New Zealand and I am terrified of the ocean. I'm also struggling PTSD. Like I'm having nightmares. I'm getting triggered. Like it was not, I'm 10 years old. And my, like it, it felt like my whole life. I can, I just, my whole version of what I thought life was shattered and God was starting to rebuild it. And to what he's rebuilt it now, like I have such an, a deep appreciation for life and that came to facing death. And one of my sentences in my book is like, um, destiny is a gift in the awareness of death. Because when we're like, when we realize how precious our life is, we then realize we want to do something with our life. And we call out to God to be like, what do you want us to do with our lives? Um, and so I came back to New Zealand, terrified of the ocean. And my parents enrolled me in beach lifeguard training six months later. And I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, I do not want to do this. Like, this is the last thing I want to do is like, not only swim in the ocean, but be trained to help people in the ocean. Um, but my parents wanted to turn the very place that I feared into a place of victory. And they wanted to teach me that the more, like, the more you do the thing you fear, the less fear ha- power fear has over you. Um, and on the first day of training, my parents, uh, my dad saw me like completely stressed out. Like my hair was a mess. I hadn't slept well the night before. I had a nightmare. Like I'm nervous. I just went for like just nervous pee. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, why am I doing this? Um, and my dad like gets down on his knees and just tells me like, Riley, you're fighting a battle between fear and courage and all you need is a little more courage. Um, and that's like why I now run a podcast called A Little More Courage because I just would love to see people step into I know that battle between fear and courage, but oh, just those little micro moments of a little more courage of the three seconds more of courage can make a difference and can help us become more of the person that God desperately wants us to be. I'm so glad you included that because I heard that part in your TED talk when your dad kind of went on your level and was like, all you need is a little more courage. That's Mm -hmm. so beautiful. Talk to me about your parents because I'm so impressed with, I'm sure they're not perfect, but I, mm-hmm. I always ask young women who have turned out as amazing as yourself, uh, as I am here raising daughters, like just collecting anecdotal evidence, if you will, mm-hmm. of amazing parents and, and what they have done well. I just, yes. Tell mm-hmm. me about your amazing parents. Oh, uh, oh man. What a gift to talk about them. Like whenever people give me compliments I always want to say like I am the byproduct of quality time with Jesus good parenting and mentorship mm. and the good parenting is I mean it's like you said they were not perfect and but the thing about my parents is they're so teachable like even to this day if I'm like hey like I am craving more of this in our relationship they're so open to change and I my parents I think they're very aware of the culture that a family creates like uh i have a mentor and he says like 
culture eat strategy for lunch. And it's the yeah. idea that you can have all the right tools, but what is the culture in your family? And so my parents were very intentional about creating a culture. And like, even to this day, like we have sayings that we always say, like, if in doubt, pray, um, don't peck with chickens, fly with eagles, blessed to be a blessing. And it's like these sayings that we've said our whole life that our parents have like trained us to repeat and like even when we we're little girls you know you're little girls and then you have your sisters and it's like you want to fight with them but my parents would always say like those are your best friends how do you treat your best friends um and I love because they kept guiding us to God so like I remember this one time being horribly bullied at school and my mom said to me I can't turn I'm like mom what am I gonna do like I don't know what to do and she said well have you asked God and that's what they did over and over again. They didn't, they would express their opinion eventually, but they'd always first guide us to God. And that, I mean, that was key because you can go through the mess of life, but if you have God by us, like if you keep, if your natural instinct is to always first talk to God, that's like such a great um, parenting technique because God is is the ultimate father and the ultimate parent. Um and then they also just made our relationship with Jesus fun. Like we would, my mom would pick us up from school, give us chocolate bars and would and tell us, encourage us to prophesy over someone by the time we got home. But it was such a fun, like we loved it. We would be like driving the car and I'd be like praying like, God, who do you want me to pray for? And then I see somebody, I'm like, mom, that person. And she's like pulling over and I'm jumping out the car and I'm like giving I'm like seven years old. I'm giving a chocolate bar to this lady. I'm like, Jesus loves you so much and you look really pretty. And I'm jumping back in the car and continuing. <laughs> or like they'd give us a credit card and be like, all right, you girls get together and pray and, and figure out whose meal you want to cover and pay for. Wow. And so it was just like realizing that life is an adventure. And that's because God is adventurous and like God is generous and radical in love. <laughs> I'm taking notes. Your, <laughs> when is your parents' parenting book coming out? No, they, they're working on it. Good. <laughs> yeah, they've been teaching parenting courses for the past decade in New Zealand. And then they moved to the Bay Area, um, San Francisco, uh, a few years ago. And so they've been like silently and quietly working on this book. And I'm so excited for them to get out in the world. Wow. Yeah. Now, I'm also curious quickly how you got from New Zealand to to yeah. Uh, California. Yeah, I um I there's Fuller Seminary is in uh Pasadena in Los Angeles and I had always always the pastors and like speakers that I grew up like admiring had always gone to Fuller or it seemed like they always had. And so when I was like 22, I wanted to like learn more about my calling, build my relationship with Jesus, like learn how to understand the Bible more. And I applied to Fuller Seminary and have this this master's in global leadership program. But they had a prerequisite of 20 years full-time leadership experience. And I didn't obviously didn't have that. Um, and I took a huge leap of faith and actually moved to America, even though they had rejected me because I believe that they were going to change their mind because wow. I think sometimes we have faith for something and sometimes doors are motion activated or doors have to be opened. And so I was like, I'm going to move towards this door and trust and like just trust in God trustful. And so I moved to America and then a week after moving here, they had changed the ruling and had accepted me. <laughs> that's you have like 12 <laughs> testimonies we could do it 
<laughs> we could do a podcast on just that. That's incredible. This is why I'm writing a book about my story. I'm like, the story of my life is not I'm the hero. God is the hero. And he has been amazing in my life story. But that's what happens when you give him the pen. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting. I also want to talk about you, the courage. So what you said about doing the thing you fear the most. And I think that that's so huge. So I, I can attest a little bit. Um, I did a whole episode on this that I faced and I, and I never saw this coming, but kind of after COVID I faced travel anxiety, like just ridiculous stuff. And I travel as a speaker and every time I got booked, I would have like so much nerves about it. And I would every worst case scenario about what could happen on the plane or whatever, whatever. And, and I'm the girl who like moved to New York when I was in college, you know, I, <laughs> I never been scared to travel, but for some reason I became so paralyzed in fear and fear for a few months. Mm. However, what, to your point, what cured me, so to speak is just traveling. It's just doing it. One yeah. time I went to Texas and it was awful. I got grounded because of flights, there was flooding, um, my luggage got lost, like all of the, all of the mess, but it made me so much more resilient. It made me so much more like, I got this, like I got this. So I just want you to talk about that more because I think that it seems counterintuitive, but doing the thing that you're afraid of is the anecdote for fear. Yeah, no, that's so good. Um, there's, it reminds me, there's a Marine officer. Um, I've totally forgotten his name, but he tells a story about how they're, uh, walking through, they, have escaped a war zone and they're walking through this like deserted land and they hear um wolves howling and they're freaking out they're like they're trying to get to like they're trying to move forward but they hear these wolves ahead of them and they're like we do we turn back or do we keep going like they're so scared and they decide to keep going and when they finally reach the the voice of the wolves is one wolf and he's he said this is like our fear like, we think it is so much bigger. And fear, I mean, it's still there. There was still a wolf there. But it is so often so much bigger than what we think. Because that's yeah. exactly what the enemy would love to do. Like, the enemy would love to stop us. And to, like, disable us from moving forward. Um, and I just know, like, the more... I call it the, the reversal desire tool. Which is, like, doing the opposite of what you desire. Like, fear wants you to like stay at home and like hide in your bed. And if you have social anxiety, like it doesn't want you to go to that party, but like the reversal desire tool is like just doing simply said, doing the opposite of what you think. And I know this is kind of a random analogy, but I think about how um, dragons always protect treasure and dragons are like our fear, but behind the fear is some treasure. And, and for me, like behind the fear of the ocean, what, and once I got past the dragon, I really, wow, I love lifeguarding. I love, I love rescuing people in the ocean. And I, I now surf. And now if you ask me where's my favorite place to be other than, other than being with Jesus or with my husband or on a stage, like my favorite place to be is be in the ocean which doesn't make sense. But it's like, what happens when we do the opposite of what fear is asking us to do? And I'm so curious, you know, you may never know, but how many people were there the same day you were? I'm sure there's another 10 year old girl who Mm -hmm. experienced a very similar and and is still to this day terrified of the ocean. And and how sad and and you would say, well, rightfully so. Yeah, you, you survived the tsunami, I get it. And even when those fears are valid, 
she, she's the one that, who was losing. I, I don't know if there's a 10 year old who's, you know what I mean? But, but you were the yeah. one who was suffering the consequences if you don't face those fears. And like you said, it's, it's not fun. It's not what you want to do. It's not what feels comfortable. And you have to face that dragon and it's like, Oh, but <laughs> what a, what a gift. The girl who survived a tsunami is now favorite home is the ocean because the ocean is a gift. It's beautiful and it has so much to share. So, wow. Ah, you're so fun. Okay. I'm going to switch gears and talk about dating because that's how yes. I found you on the internet and you speak truth bombs and I'm here for it. And you're a newlywed. So all the things first, just tell me how you met your husband. <laughs> well, it's a really, it's a really fun story. So my friends and I were leading a revivals on the beaches of California during COVID churches were shut down and we were like, Oh, like it broke our hearts that people didn't have a place to meet the presence of God and be in community. Um, and so we, and beaches were okay. Cause people can still like be there and not like have space. Um, and so we started leading these revivals. And on one night, there's this little girl, five-year-old girl that's walking down the beach with her mom. And unbeknownst to Ashley, like her mom and her didn't know anything about Jesus or God. And she drags her mom to this, like us worshiping. And she's just curious. Little five-year-old girl is like, mom, I want to go over there. And her mom's like, no, I don't know what that is. And anyway, the little girl wins. And she's, the little girl's walking through the crowd and leaps on me and hugs me and starts weeping. And I start weeping because I'm like, this is just such a sweet moment. And she's saying like, I feel God in you. I feel God in you, which is crazy that five, she cannot even understand what that is. And we hugged for 20 minutes. And after that, I like lead her to the Lord. She's now like an evangelist in her kindergarten. Um, And somebody took a photo of that moment and posted it online or like I posted online and it got shared a lot. And one of the people who saw that post was Jack, my now husband. And I love, I sometimes don't start from that part of the story. I start from when we actually met, but the reason I really wanted to share that um, with us right now is because I think about Ruth and Boaz and how Ruth was tending to her field and then Boaz saw her. And I really believe that love happens in our fields. Like it happens when we find the thing that God is purposing us to do. Like I could have been at home that night, but instead I'm like, no, I'm going to go out and pray for people because that's like, that's one of my favorite things to do in life. And, and so I just want to encourage someone if they're single right now, like, what is it that God has called you to? What is your field right now? Where, and often your field is where like your purpose and it's where like your, your passions, your purpose is where your passions meets your giftings that then help someone else. Because Ruth was faithful to this thing that she was like passion gifted at, like she was just faithful to tending the field, but she'd also bring some of the crops home to Naomi, her ex-mother-in-law. And I just really am passionate about like our purpose, a true purpose has some side of it that helps others. Um, So anyway, Jack follows me on Instagram, flash forward six months later, and he doesn't message me, it's just, that's it. Flash forward six months later, we have a mutual friend. So one of my best friends is dating one of his best friends and they set us up and they, uh, he, and so all I know is a little bit about Jack. I know like he loves the Lord and he likes traveling and there's like, it sounds like we have some good things in common. I haven't seen a photo of him or anything like that. And he sends me a voice message and invites me to be a plus one to a wedding in Mexico as our first ever time to meet. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, what but 
I mean, he crushed it. I love adventure. I love traveling. I'm like, this sounds like such an epic day. And either it's going to be just an adventure or it's going to be like the start of a love story. So we met for the very first time at LAX. We go to Mexico for five days. Our flight was like delayed on the way there. It was delayed by 14 hours. It was like this whole adventure. But I think it was God like fast tracking. When you're traveling with someone, you really get to know them. And he was like his we just fast-tracked, like, friendship, honestly. Like, we just hung out. He was staying in, like, another hotel, and I was in another hotel, but we would just, like, spend the day with each other. I got to meet all of his best friends, and, like, he has incredible community. His community is, like, his people are, like, drilling me with questions to see if, like, I'd be good for him or not. Um, But it was a wild start of a love story. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. You first said something though, that I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I want to hear you first moved to California. COVID is happening. And you just like go to the beach and do little evangelist churches. (laughs) Like what? Like how did you find Christian community? What made you start to do this? Like that's amazing in itself. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I remember when I first moved to America, I didn't know anyone and I was so lonely and like all I wanted to do was like hide in my room and I went for a walk one day and I'm walking through a park and this man experiencing homelessness starts asking me how I am and for some reason I decide to be very truthfully honest with this man and I said, I'm honestly really sad and lonely and he said, the cure to your sadness is to help others. And it was just this moment that I was like, whoa, like it just really hit me to my core And so I just started going to churches, making friends, and um, the survival is now called California Will Be Saved. And these two guys, Ross and Joel, now run it, and they're traveling. It's now a whole thing. Like, it has, like, hundreds of thousands of followers. It's, like, it's blown up. Um, And I just had the honor. It was really just a bunch of friends, and we were, like, we want to worship the Lord and lead people to God. And so buildings aren't open like California was really strict during COVID and so we're like let's just do something about this and so we just set up a stage started worshiping God and it's wild we had people driving from Las Vegas from like different states and hundreds of people started showing up and one night we're like leading people to God and then baptizing and praying over them and doing inner healing and deliverance and it was like it just couldn't be stopped because that's the thing. Like, God, we were just obedient. And we were like, well, it doesn't matter if two people show up or if one people show up. I think about how Jesus left the 99 for the one. Like, heaven's measurement of success has always been the one. But we get so, like, I remember thinking, what if, like, only 10 people show up? And God convicted me. He was like, you could do all this effort and all this planning for one person, and it would be more than enough. Yeah. If you are not already using and loving Liquid IV, let me just rock your world for a little bit. I know me personally, I would get overheated very easily and people say, well, you need to drink water or whatever. Like I get it, but I I couldn't drink enough. I would get constantly get headaches and find myself depleted until I discovered Liquid IV. I literally use it as my coffee every morning. There is a pineapple flavor that has energy with it as well. There's something that doesn't have caffeine. You can get multiple flavors, but I love the energy kind. I drink it every morning, add a little collagen powder to it. It is, it's like my life changer. I love this stuff so much and I'm so excited to share with you. They are offering my listeners a discount code of 20% off, which is so kind and so generous. I'm so excited about it. 
All you have to do is go to liquidiv.com and use promo code TRUTH at checkout. That is 20% off anything. So you can get the pineapple, the energy drink, the regular kind of watermelon is also a personal favorite at our house. My kids love that one. So that's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today by using promo code TRUTH at liquidiv.com. You do this, have this encounter with a sweet little five-year-old girl, which eventually... <laughs> Get you on a trip to Mexico and to hang out with a guy that you think is kind of cute. So things are going good. Talk to me about like, I mean, you're dating. I don't know. Like, again, what was drawn to me about how you talk about godly dating and how that is different than the world and how you guys mm. have, have done this thing well. Um, yeah. So what that look like for you guys? Mm. I mean, it was fun. And I think, I think, I think we sometimes miss that. Like dating is isn't meant to be all serious like for sure there's certain you know one of my friends calls dating like collecting data like there is certain part of it where you're collecting data like this person has a story to offer and do your stories match like would they be a good story together um and you know I had my non-negotiables and I knew I wanted a man that like loved Jesus and was kind and empathetic and but also just can I have fun with this person and like adventure and that first weekend told me like I could um but our story was not like as easy because after that weekend I got so overwhelmed and the thing is because I was so used to like a certain personality type and uh Jack was just so different than guys I had dated in the past and he was so much healthier and honestly the healthiness of his love kind of overwhelmed me because I was like I'm used to playing games and like God just had so much healing he was doing in me and my singleness. And, and so after that weekend, like I friend zoned him not once, but twice. And I, we were dating and then I freaked out and was like, no. And then we're dating again. And I was like, no. And he, the whole time was just like, I'm going to just continue to be your friend. And he wasn't like doing it. Like he did it with respect um, but he did it with like a little bit of persistency because on his side, unbeknown to me, he's fasting over our relationship mm-hmm. and praying over it and like taking a weekend to like pray over this relationship. And he's like, he knows the Lord. And so this story is not typical because like it has a lot to do with his relationship with God. Um, and so I, he, one of my quotes that I say when I speak about dating is like, love is friendship ablaze. Like love is friendship on fire. Mm-hmm. And he just kept pursuing friendship with me. And then I flash forward like a, a month later, he, cause he was in Portland. I was in San Diego. So we're also doing long distance. Um, and he comes to San Diego for work, but also just to hang out with me. And I just remember thinking, okay, like, I need to let go of my fear because I was actually, I had this feeling from the get go, like this could actually be it, but I was just scared. Like I, I was scared of like love and, and, and heartbreak. Like I pre about a year earlier, I'd gone through a really tough heartbreak and I was just scared. Um, and God was getting me to a place where to that I could love as if I'd never been hurt before. Um, and he used like Jack's gentleness and, and, and pursuit, uh, of me to get me to this place where I'm like, finally, like, okay, God, I, I surrender to you. And I also like God's hand was all over it and all these little moments he was confirming it. And I had always prayed like, God, I want you to pick my person. And I want you to pick who you want me to marry. And I and I wanted someone who was good for me, but great for the kingdom. And now that I'm married, I'm like, 
wow, like our relationship is it's fun and so much chemistry and like sex is amazing, but it's also been so good in terms of ministry and in terms of like what God is doing through our marriage. Oh, I love you guys so much. Uh, Kristen, love Jesus loving love <laughs> is my favorite thing is my favorite thing. And I love mm-hmm. it when young couples find each other. So this is, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite videos of yours, well, two of them. And one is you talking about how like living together, having sex together while mm-hmm. this is somewhat normal in today's culture is scientifically studies show yeah. not doing you any favors for long-term success. So I guess first talk about that. If you remember that, yeah, one. Um, yeah. I I just remember studying the differences between people who lived together um, and people who got married and waited to live together, and it was just wild the difference in the stats. And I mean, we know the average um, divorce rate right now is fifty percent, but those who wait until they're married to have sex, it's the divorce rate is five percent. Wow, and. It's just, I mean, there's study after study. I can't remember all the stats right now, but it just proved like science is supporting that. Even the fact that when we have sex, it releases oxytocin, which is a bonding drug. And that's why when I had friends growing up that slept with someone and then the night they'd break up and they felt like their heart was ripping apart because God designed our like chemicals in our body to, to be only bonded to one person. And like when you orgasm and have sex, like that's so bonding to this person. Um, and I, I just know like from my own story of just waiting until you're married and having those strict boundaries. And like, we were not perfect in our dating, but like we kept coming back to it and had accountability and like to then be married and like our wedding we were meant to finish like our dance floor and our wedding night was meant to finish at like 9 30 and it was 8 p.m and jack and i looked at each other and we're like we're going like we're different <laughs> um i love like, that so we're married was so sweet and it's so it's so worth it and i used to preach so much about this and to now be living in it and realizing god is smart and he knows what he's doing i think that that's it right there that is it, do we trust that God is good? Do we trust that he is who he yes. says he is? And, you know, because I think that that's ultimately when it comes down to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. God, I know you say to wait for marriage, but he's really cute and my <laughs> hormones are on fire. Like, and, and that's okay. That's healthy. That means your body is, that means you're yeah. attracted to him. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, you will enjoy marriage, but keeping that where it's supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, speaking of tsunami at the beginning, the ocean is beautiful when Mm -hmm. it's where it's supposed to be, when it's a 50 foot wave crashing onto land, it is destructive. Mm -hmm. And so just like this gift of sex. So anyway, I have strong feelings about that, but I knew that you had a a beautiful Mm -hmm. story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Another video that's going viral on the interwebs, (laughs) (laughs) you and your husband holding hands around the corner before your wedding Mm -hmm. is so precious. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to share the prayer or anything, but I wonder if you can maybe just kind of unpack uh, share a little behind the scenes of that video for us. Yeah. So uh, I always wanted to like wait to see my husband when I walked down the aisle. Um, but Jack and I, like the day of our wedding, we just like, there was like a wall at our church and we just like held hands. We, we couldn't see each other, but we read out letters to each other. And I remember in the letter that I had written to him, I just started crying. And I talked about how, 
like all the heartbreak and all the no's led me to this moment and how kind of God to lead me to a man like you. And just all the, because I had in my like dating and single journey, I had been on like 50 plus unsuccessful dates, three heartbreaks. I had watched my two younger sisters get married before me. And I, and I was like growing up was always the one out of the three of us that like wanted to get married the most and dreamed about my wedding day. And I just got to this moment where I'm like holding hands with my soon to be husband. And we just prayed and it was so like, you could feel the presence of God. We're just like, praying over our our wedding and even like on our wedding night we got down on our knees and like gave our sex life to Jesus and it's been so fun to like welcome God because God is a gentleman and he's not going to push himself into something like he's so gentle and kind but when you welcome him into every aspect of your life and it's just like to know that God does not shame us. God is love and love and shame cannot coexist. And so when you welcome him to any part of your life, like even that's me saying like I prayed over my, gave my sex life to God and like prayed over. That sounds kind of weird to some people, but God is not a shameful God. And he, he created all this and he created like even sex itself for pleasure and for, for love and intimacy and also to procreate. Oh, I love you guys so much. I think this is so important because something I often say is, you know, what does it look like to have a Christian relationship? Because you're not going to find it on TV or in movies and some people don't have it at home. And this is why I'm so thankful to Mm -hmm. share this platform with you because I think that our listeners are like, oh, just a little glimpse. And again, I, I know you're not perfect. I'm not saying you have it all figured out, but you have, as you said, surrendering your sex life, surrendering your marriage. Hey God, I want you to pick out my mm-hmm. husband, even that is such a, I trust that you are good and you are who you say you are. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that on sitcoms, right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't see that maybe not even on social mm-hmm. media. And so I just thank you for what you're doing and providing that example for all of mm-hmm. our friends. Oh, thanks for that encouragement. Of course. Well, what all do you have going on? What can we look forward to coming through the pipelines? You said you're working on a book. Yeah. I'm working on a book. Um, I am deep in it right now, like just started that. I, uh, Jack and I have a podcast called A Little More Courage. And we also really want to create community around that. So we have like a Facebook group and Instagram. And um, I, yeah, also I've been speaking more. Um, but I'm just, I'm just honestly to see like, that's such a sweet question. But and in my mind, I'm always like, how can I serve others? Like, that's what I'm what I'm personally looking forward to is like, I'm potentially planning to do like a retreat soon for single woman. And like, I just on my life, it's reminds me of Mother Teresa. She says like a life not lived for others is not a life worth living. Like mm-hmm. our lives is for the for the glory of God and for the service of others. And your homeless friend still ringing yeah. true in your brain. <laughs> yeah, totally. The, the cure to sadness is to help others. Wow. And you're doing that so well. Thank you so much for this time. I am um, such a fan and I will make sure we link your podcast and all of that stuff Aww. so people can stay in touch, social media, all that good stuff. Thank you so much. It's such a fun conversation. Oh, the pleasure is mine. <laughs>